Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm, I think every dad does this. So this will deliver a dad from shame. There's sometimes that I come home and I will take another lap around the neighborhood. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. This week, how does someone go from not wanting kids to having three boys, being in the process of adopting another child, and being on a Bravo TV show that follows your family's every move? Only Marcus Tankard can answer that one. But first, a shout out all the way from Germany. Guys, this was so exciting when I got this. Der Hansen said, hey, I followed your stuff since you made videos for Gear Patrol and being a father for one and a half years myself, the Attempting Fatherhood podcast is the best thing you've ever done. Thank you so much for it. Just wanted to say that. And thanks again. Kind greetings from Germany. I can now call my mom and say, Mom, I'm big in Germany, or at least bigger than I was before. This is so exciting, guys, and this totally reflects on you all, the listeners, the fans of Attempting Fatherhood, because that means you guys are sharing the show, and somehow it got all the way on someone's radar in Germany. So I just think that's so fun. And like I said, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood so you too can slide in the DMs. Also, by the way, if you've got a dad that you think would be awesome to have on the show, go ahead, DM me, or you can email me, Bradley, at AttemptingFatherhood.com. Okay, so Marcus Tanker. Now, I've actually had never met this guy before. All of my guests from season one, and some of them from season two, I've already known. Maybe I grew up with them, maybe I went to school with them, maybe I've worked with them, but I knew these people. So Marcus is one of the first whom I didn't really know, but I started following him on Instagram a while back and I've just always loved his posts. He's always including his family and the stuff he says is really positive. Now, when he recorded this, it's so funny, he had just moved from Nashville to Houston just a few days before. So there's like boxes in the background. Anyway, if you've ever moved, you know how horrible that is. So I was very grateful that in the midst of that, he was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's record this. And I loved how much honesty he brought to this. Now, if you recognize his name, there was a Bravo reality show called Thicker Than Water, which followed his dad and all the kids and their families. So him and then their families. And honestly, I had no idea. Then after the interview, I was doing a little bit of research and I was like, wait, what? So I contacted him and was like, dude, we didn't even really talk about the fact you were on a show. We talked about it briefly, but other than him kind of mentioning how his life has been pretty public, we didn't get into it, but not because we were avoiding it or anything. It just really didn't come up. So, all right, his dad's stats. He's an author and a leadership consultant. Now he lives in Houston. Uh, He's been married almost 10 years. He has three sons, six, four, and two, and he'll also talk about his grandma's hilarious response when they said they were having the third. It's amazing. It's very classic. Uh, He also talks about not wanting kids when he and his wife first got married. Also, what he fears the most as a dad, and this is very vulnerable and I appreciated it, what he feels like he missed from his own father that he's adding into his parenting. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Tanker. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, first off, how hot is Houston, Texas right now? 
Oh gosh, hotter than twelve hells. That's how hot it is, dude. You know, our plan was to move in the spring, and ah. so we we were delayed. I planned to move when all of this stuff was going to be, you know, the heat was wouldn't have come in already. We right, were right. Been in like forty degree nights and stuff, but Ooh. we didn't have a choice. So I said, you know, let's go ahead and do it because I did not want to stay in Nashville any longer than I had to. So. Yeah. Well, I get that. We, uh, I lived in LA. I was, I, I booked a gig hosting a show in Phoenix. It was 108 the day we were unloading boxes. And it was oh, like, gosh. I had, I had just some solid friends from work from the studio who were like, screw it. We're just going to meet you there with waters and we're just going to all sweat it out for 45 minutes and get it done. And it was like, I cannot believe so i know houston is just even muggy they say it's a dry heat oh. in phoenix but it's like it's not like i put my head in the oven at 250 and think this is great at least it's dry <laughs> it's like dry heat still sucks it's still heat you know yeah. what what about your wife and kids are they the same way oh they love it i mean the first week we were here my wife would go out on the porch and on the patio <laughs> and she stood out there for hours i'm like look better you than me yeah totally it's a it's a free sauna i guess you don't have to pay for it. you just go out there and in a towel just a white towel like head wrap and just like okay here we go i guess i guess i guess not my life well thank you so much for being on the show marcus i really have only met you through social media and i don't even really remember honestly how i started following you i don't know if it was like a uh, a suggested post or I mean a suggested uh, like discover page or something like that but bring me up to speed just on like your dad stats off the top so I met my wife in 2008 and so we, we've been together a, a long time we started having kids later um, okay. but we, we we dated for four years um, most of that was long distance because I was doing world missions at the time and um, we got married in 2012. So, th- so this makes nine years. Um, and so um, we started. We started to try to have kids the second year we we were married. Um, but we struggled to conceive. Like I know a lot mm. of couples struggle, but we struggled mm. to conceive. And um, didn't have any miscarriages, but we just we just struggled, you know. And so um, we were living in Missouri at the time. We moved over to Nashville. And if the doctors are to believe, we conceived that week. So I always say, you know, there's wow. something in the water over in Missouri, you know, don't wow. try to conceive in Missouri. Okay. And so um, had our first baby, uh, 2015, we have three, um, Micah, Malachi, and little Marcus, uh, six, four, and two. Ooh, that is um, quite a range. Yeah. All and packed so, into one. All packed. Listen, listen. And their the temperaments are so are so varied. You know, Micah is the talker. Um, Malachi is the fighter. He just fights. You know, Ooh. there's nothing to fight about. He just fights. <laughs> He's a know? contrarian. He's just always like, we're going to go this way. No, even to despite himself, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then the young, my youngest one is two. Um, he's the kisser. He's just, he's just kissing, 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 kissing. <laughs> Two years old and still just kissing him. Leave me alone. That's so kissing. funny. And then when you guys got married, were you thinking, yeah, let, let's have a big family? Or, you know, you mentioned getting married later. My wife was 30. I was 31. I'm from the South. 
So that's practically retired at that point. In Tennessee, you get married at 30. People are like, are, is this your wake or your wedding? I don't know what to go to. Uh, so I don't know for you guys if you experienced that as well. But, you know, getting married a little bit later, I think was fantastic. I, I grew a ton as a person. I had so much more, uh, you know, humility, self-confidence, self-awareness, all that kind of thing. Did you experience that too, getting married a little bit later? I got married at 27, but I, it was still too late for me because I, <laughs> listen, I tell, I, tell, I say this all the time. I don't wish the single life on anybody. Yeah. Let me put it this way. I don't wish the single life on anybody that doesn't want to be single. Okay. That's a good way to say it. Because um, I, I, that was not me. That, that was not me. I wanted to be married so bad. I remember being in college, you know. Um, now in college, I did a lot of dumb stuff. You know, I was a frat boy and you know, whatever. Yeah. But when I, I got someone, I got serious about my life and, um, decided, you know, I'm going to do post-grad studies. I'm going to study world missions and go to the mission field and stuff. I remember wanting to be married so bad. I, I dated so many girls in Bible oh school. Gosh. I mean, it was, it was, oh. I dated girls that didn't know they were dating me. I want. I just wanted. <laughs> I just. I just want to be married so bad. I want to be married so bad. You oh know? my gosh, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on yourself and on the girl. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and so I um I was well into doing you know like my ministerial vocation at the time. Yeah. I was well into that. Yeah. Um, when I met my wife. And so, and even with that, we dated for four years, you know, typically I tell people if you, if you don't know, if you want to marry this person in 18 months, you probably don't, you know? Um, but I, I went against my own rules and I think part of it was because she was an undergrad and I was in, you know, uh, doing missions work. Yeah. And, um, I come from a large family. Okay. I say a large family. I'm the oldest of five. Okay. That's big for and, me. Yeah, I mean, I people say, "Oh, that's not big." You know, I have nine siblings. Oh, oh, well, you know, relative. <laughs> okay, well, some lady just had ten kids at once. So, are we going to play relative game? Like, you know, yeah, five is big. I'm giving you five is big. The idea of ten children just makes me want to. <laughs> I don't want ten anything. I don't want ten coffees. I don't want ten right. hot dogs. I don't want ten anything, much less kids. Right. 10 tax deductions, 10 mortgages. Anyway. <laughs> so um, when we got married, I, we didn't want children. We didn't want any children. Want children That's before, interesting. You know, I mean, I'm the oldest of five. She's the yeah. oldest of four. You guys were both in unison with that? Like, look, I yeah. love you. I love you. Let's just keep being awesome together. We're, we're good. We're fine. No children. We're great. You know, and, and then lo and behold, you know, two years in, she's like, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking. I'm like, what you thinking? You know, <laughs> complete that thought, shit. please. <laughs> right, right. You know, as long as you're thinking, just. You uh-huh. know. And so, you know, we she decided. You know, yeah, we want to have children. So I came around to the idea, and um, you know, what are the chances we would have three boys? I mean, back new- to back. Back to back to back. You're like the bulls in the 90s. Just could not be stopped. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, yeah. did you guys, I know this can be a point of tension in a lot of relationships when one person, you know, both people are like, no kids. And then one person changes to, I think, kids. And the other person's not totally on board. Did that take you a little bit of time to come on board to that? Or were you pretty much like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of feeling that too. I'm easygoing. And as long as I can wrap my head around the idea of it, mm-hmm. I think I can navigate. I, I, can, I can make some changes. I'm not one of those that's, that's just so resistant to change. I like change. 
However, when she said this about this child, I was thinking to myself, now we've, we've talked about this. (laughs) (laughs) Why why are we bringing this back up? We already talked about this is how this is going to work. Yeah. I mean, we, this, this, this was almost a part of the vows. We're not doing this, but you know, she really wanted a child. And I, I had, I had to address some things in myself as to why I didn't want a child. Um, you know, a lot of it, you know, a large part of it is that, you know, I obviously did not want to, I didn't want the responsibility of being responsible for another human, you know, because I, I was the driver. I was the janitor. I did it because I was the oldest, you know? Um, and now that all of my siblings are adults, now I'm the unpaid therapist, you know? So, you know, just like, I just, I don't want that. I don't want to deal with that. You know, I've, I've already raised four other children. Already. Oh, so, interesting. So okay. That, you know? that makes sense. <clears throat> and so, but then the other side of it is that, you know, I had, everybody has their own story, you know, with your family, just that baggage, you know, and not wanting, just trying to feel some things out. Cause my father, my father was not as present as he should have been mm. um, chasing the money, you know, made a lot of money, but didn't make a lot of relationship with his children. And so, you know, just trying to navigate that and figure all of that out, you know, how do I be to my children what I never had, you know, not mm. having that example. You yeah. Know? So having to come to grips with that. And I think once I came to grips with that, then I could even entertain the idea of having a child. Right. That's a lot of self-work you got to do there to kind of get you oh, to that yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. They say if you have children, you, know, you raise your children, you raise yourself. Mm, I like that. I haven't heard that. Let me just throw out a question here. How would you define fatherhood? Because, you know, I think that influence, I love that you've kind of come from, we don't need kids. I don't want kids to now having kids. So that perspective of like how you would define it now, as opposed to before, obviously mm-hmm. much more informed simply experientially. You're not going to find this in Webster's or Good. on Google. Probably. No, no, no. I don't want any of that. I want you. I want the Marcus version. <laughs> it's presence. Um, presence meaning being present, you know, because presence, presence speaks to availability and, and sometimes not even knowing what to do, but being available. Um, and then I'd say this to you, not just being present because sometimes, you know, you can be present, you know, and you, you're there, you know, your carcass is there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're on your phone or you're elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I, a wise man told me that this is an old missionary statesman. He, he mm. said this. He said, Marcus, wherever you are, be all there. Like, like, don't be in this country doing this work, this this humanitarian work or planting this church or planting this Bible school. Thinking about the next nation or the next space you're going to be. He said, no, because you're doing the people a disservice. If, if, if your mind is there, then just just go. But if you're going to be here. You know, bring your whole self, bring all of your mind, all of your will, your emotions, your imaginations, your intellect, be fully present. Yo, you, yes, you, dad, it's time to start caring a little bit more about yourself. You're doing a great job keeping those little humans alive, but if your personal hygiene game is slipping... It's okay. The folks at Bird Hair are stepping up to help out. They're offering 15% off all of their products to Attempting Fatherhood listeners using the code BIRDAF. That's B-Y-R-D-A-F. So go ahead, grab some body wash, hair product, or shampoo. It's made in California using super clean and natural ingredients, and every purchase directly supports Attempting Fatherhood. So it's a win-win. Okay, back to the show. 
if anyone has written a book that says, I know everything there is to know about fatherhood and now I'm going to teach you, you just just put it in the garbage disposal or just burn it in your fire pit. You know, we're all figuring this out, but you you don't you won't navigate that and that relationship with that child um, will not take on its own autonomy in your absence. Mm. Yes. <laughs> you have to really be present. And I'm careful to stay. Um, that relationship with that child, because something that me and my wife really work to do, we try to foster individual relationships with our children. We don't, we try not to, to relate to them exclusively, collectively. Yep. Yep. That's super smart. Was that something that kind of developed with you guys? Or was that like wisdom from other parents in your lives that said, Hey, you're going to have three kids. They're going to, you know, when you have multiple kids, they're all going to be different, treat them differently. Or is that something you guys kind of learned? Like that discipline doesn't work for that guy, but it does for this guy. Well, I think it was just our backgrounds because I don't recall my parents ever ever singling me out of the five and saying, I'm going to spend time with you. And get your thoughts on this. I'm on a pool. I'm going to single you out from the crowd, <laughs> the crowd of the five. You know, I'm going to single you out and we're going to go and spend some time because I need your thoughts. I need your mind on this. And I have something for you. Wow. That was not something that that I experienced. And that wasn't necessarily something that my wife experienced, especially she had it worse. Than, well, I say worse. She had a different situation than I did because she was the oldest of four and she's an identical twin. So lots of identity issues there and trying to find individualism outside right. of that twinness. Right. I love that individualistic nature that uh, that brings so much value, I think, to an individual when you pull them aside and you empower them in that way. Something that no one really ever told me, there was a lot about fatherhood that no one ever told me. They were just like, Bradley, you're going to be a great dad. You're going to love it. And then... You know, when Ellis was born and the first like month, I was like, I think I'm broken because I don't love this. And people told me I was supposed to love being a dad and I don't. So I told my wife, I was like, look, babe, I'm not saying we made a mistake, but I, what, I, I'm useless. And I, I thought I'm supposed to be imparting wisdom and value. And, and I'm just trying to keep this meatball alive in the other room who's waking me up all the time, totally wrecked my schedule. You know, it's such an inconvenience. And within that also something people didn't say is, is when you come together, when you come together with your partner, you bring those two sets of values and family differences and upbringing differences. So I was curious um, with, with you and your wife, maybe you guys got together and talked about it, but what's something that you guys loved from your childhood that you're bringing into raising your three boys? One of the things that, that my dad did very well is he exposed me to a lot. Um, the exposure, you know, uh, different cultures, different experiences. Um, we traveled all the time. Um, different foods, um, um, uh, hobbies. I mean, just all sorts of things. Um, they, my father was, is not one that likes routine. Ah, uh, okay. You know, so there was always something different, something fun, something exciting, something, you know, he's always reaching for the next whatever, you know? Um, and so he never, he didn't allow us to get bored. Um, so that's something that I can really, cause I, I even brought that into our relationship, you know, just dating, like we were always doing stuff, 
just doing, you know, going different places, doing different things. We never just got into the whole hum routine of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I really appreciate that. I, I've found so much value in travel. We as a, as a family traveled a lot. And actually what was interesting is I was, I was talking to my parents about this and they were like, we traveled when we couldn't technically afford to travel either, but we would, mm-hmm. dad would take off work. We would hit the road. We would go and see grandma and grandpa. We would go visit. We did a great Western tour one time from Tennessee. I grew up in Knoxville. So just east of, of where you were. Okay. And, and we went all the way to the Grand Canyon. And there are so many oh, stories wow. and lessons. And it was awful. And it was fantastic. And it was all of these things, right? But it's all learning. And I think that's, to me, I really, um, uh, I really identify with those values too, trying to incorporate that. You talked about kind of like bringing your kids in on things. Did you talk to them about, hey guys, we're going to move to Houston? Or is it just kind of like, this is what we got to do, so we're doing it? How did that conversation go? Oh, we brought them in from the beginning. Um, like most people, like when you're house shopping, that's a mommy and daddy thing. Right, right. No, we brought all three of them. Love that. And we were, they were going into the houses with us, running around, you know, Mikey, do you like this room? You like this room? Daddy, I don't like this place. Well, we, 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 we brought them into the whole process. Um, when we said that, when we, when we decided to move to Texas and we hadn't even started looking at houses, we told them, you know, we're, we're going to move to Texas. We're going to get some new friends. You're going to be at a new school. And we got them amped up. We included them in the process. They met the realtor and, you know, they're showing the realtor their iPad. We wanted this to be a family <laughs> process. Yeah. You know? um, and so because of it, they've enjoyed it. It's been great. You know, they got active in giving away toys because we're not bringing all those toys here. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you know, and, they, and I knew that they were owning the process because uh, leading up to our move, um, everybody that would call the house, you know, uh, FaceTiming or whatever, they would tell them, we're moving to Texas. Now, mind you, they just told them that yesterday. <laughs> right. But anytime somebody called, we will be out in public, you know, they're telling the waiter, hey, hey, you know, we're moving to Texas. You know, because I'll take they- a water and a moving truck because <laughs> we're going to Texas. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we brought them in on it, man. So I've, I've really seen this shift with dads like yourself who, uh, and I owe a lot of this to my wife uh, in her kind of just consciousness, but in bringing our kids into things and being a part of the family, rather than more of a, of a traditional hierarchical structure where mom and dad are boss, the kids are the employees, you know, why are we doing this thing? Because I said so. And my parents are great, still married, awesome people, but that was the structure of the time. And Mm -hmm. there was no, I, I didn't feel until I got older, like high school, um, did it feel like I'm a, I'm a contributor to the family? Um, before that, it just kind of felt like I'm in the caboose back here and the train's on the way. And I just, I guess I'm just going to ride it out for a few years until I can finally break out and get out of here. Did you actually have a conversation with your wife about like, let's do this? Or was it more just kind of natural because of what you talked about? Like you didn't have that growing up. I think it was definitely more organic, I think. Um, and, you know, because we, 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 we do tend to move around a bit, um, because, you know, we, we were in Missouri, then we were in, um, we moved to Murfreesboro first. To be with my oh, dad. yeah. yeah. MTSU. We, my brother went there. Yeah, I went to MTSU. Oh, sweet. Um, and so, and then to, to Nashville, and then, you know, now here. 
you know, they're co- you have to have those conversations because you know, I, I, those conversations with that much movement, those type of yeah. conversations will bring security. Yeah. Uh, especially for for my thinker, you know, which is my oldest one, Mal, uh, Micah. You know, he has a million questions. So, um, and then you know, I didn't I didn't want you know as much as we move as much as we go. I didn't want you know. I sometimes family members try to quiz your children. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that he had a ready answer just in right, case. Right, right. You're like media. Questions. You're media training him. You put him up at a table, microphone, couple people out there. All right, Micah. So uh, tell us how you're feeling about how you're moving over here. Was this uh, your decision or was this your parents? And then um, when it when it comes to more children, are you guys like three and we're good? One of the reasons that we came to Houston was to adopt the baby. Oh wow! Okay, um, that's huge. And so, yeah, so we're we're um, we're actively looking. Um, I just really felt strongly in my heart that this is this is the space where we're to adopt. Now we had had a conversation about adopting and this is important to say we didn't want children right but we had a conversation about adopting like possibly like once we were older like, oh okay older like how old like 50 60 yeah, yeah okay like you know career yeah. is kind of like set everything's good we're kind of bored why don't we adopt yeah we had, had okay. that conversation you know but we never had talked about having kids of our own and so um I know that, you know, we, we considered, you know, well, we'll try to go again for a girl, but then we thought, no, she's a twin. So it'll be just our luck if we had two boys this time around. Um, and if we do that, then the chances of us adopting would go like down. Yeah. Uh, as well as your sanity, your sanity and chances of adopting would both plummet. I'm telling you, I think I lose a chromosome with every child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just being real candid, you know, the Lord dealt with me really strong about this. I was praying one night before I went to bed, and He made it really, really clear to me that a large part we we were thinking we were coming to Houston just because we wanted to be in Houston, but He really witnessed to my heart that a large part of why we are coming to Houston is for this child. This this will be a totally different element to fatherhood because the kids kind of came along. Uh, this is more of a proactive adding to the mix. Um, how do you feel about that? Is that a, are you nervous about that? Are you excited because there's a little bit more control just in terms of like, yes, we're consciously going toward this? I think that because we're doing this as a family, um, and when I say doing this as a family, not only, you know, this is not just a decision that me and my wife are just making on our own. Um, there have been conversations that we've not only had with our children, about it, but also conversations that I've had with my parents mm, about it. Interesting. She's had she's had conversations with her parents about it because you know we're welcoming them not just into our immediate family, but also into our extended family. So you know, so I think that while there is some trepidation there because you know we're going into a minefield, you know, we really don't know what we're doing. Um, there is a sense of support. Um, um, and you don't realize how much of a support it is until, you know, you begin talking about it. And then now the family starts asking questions. Well, have you thought about this? Have you talked to such and such and such? Oh, I know a guy. 
or I'm, you know what I mean? And that begins that, that, that offers, you know, more support than you realize when you're, when you're, when you're in it. You know? Does it feel contrarian? Like, does it feel like they're like, well, I don't know. Have you thought about like that kind of like, I don't think you're making the right decision or are they fully on board? Like, this is great. Let's do it. No, they're on board. Now I, I, I'll say that my grandmother, <laughs> she's sweet. She doesn't have a, much of a filter. Yeah. Nobody's grandmother does. And so, well, she's 87. So the filter is eroding. <laughs> and so, um, I remember I said to her when we when we got pregnant with our with the last boy, and um, the way I told her, I sent her to the Walgreens to pick up some pictures. Of oh, the that's cute! I like and within that. Within that, within that was the sonogram pic saying "See you in June." And so I I called her. I said, "Well, did you get your pictures?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "So so so you you got the sonogram?" She said, "Yeah." She said, "Why are you having another baby?" <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know, and uh, mind you, she's in love with him. She of calls course. him, she facetimes him, and all of that. Obviously, so 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 when I mentioned this about adopting, she said, "Why would you do that? Yeah. Why would why would you adopt another? You have three. Right. Why would you?" Now, this coming from someone, you know, she's the youngest of thirteen. You know, so she she has her own, you know, qualms with multiple children. I was going to say she's bringing her own view into that, her own experiences. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you have so many children, you can hardly love them. (laughs) I I can imagine that if you have 13. I could understand that if you have upwards of 10, you know, you can't cut a pizza into 13 slices. They just, you just can't. (laughs) That is physically impossible. (laughs) That means that is not doable. You cannot have kids if you cannot cut a pizza into equal parts. What about fears as a dad? It's interesting how sometimes your fears, your terrors are very real to you, but to someone else, it can be the, it can be silly, you know? Um, But to you, it's the real thing, you know? You know, just like, you know, my son is convinced that there's something in the bathroom waiting on him. So he always says, he says, I have to go to the bathroom. Will you follow me? You know, that's his, that's his it's thing. It's called now. a loofah, um, son. It's not a monster. It's a squishy thing for soap. <laughs> you know, and, and so for me, you know, I, and again, it's trivial, but I think there's, there, there has been, and it's something that I'm still working out, you know, is the fear that my children won't like me when they're adults. Oh, wow. Interesting. Is that how you kind of feel toward your dad? Like, is that a relationship you have with him? Or where does that come from, you think? I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I think it's varied, you know, um, because, you know, I'm the disciplinarian, okay? I'm the one that's like, hey, yep. no, no, we're not, we're, we are not doing that yep, right now. Yep, yep, yep. You know? Um, and so, and so my wife is the one that they try to go to as, you know, the public defender, you know, <laughs> daddy did this or daddy did that, you oh, know, that's funny. and I have to quickly remind him, Hey, listen, I don't work for mom. Yeah. I just make that yeah. clear. I don't work for your mother. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and my, my, my dad is, um, he's the fun guy. He's the life of the party, you know, and I remember when we had the first baby, we were living with him. And I thought to myself, I would really be upset if my dad had a better relationship with my kid than I did. Just the fear of that, you know, of him having that place with them, a place with them that he didn't even have with me. That's what I was going to say. I mean, given what you had talked about before, you know, I think a lot of times grandparents kind of get this second go around. And it's easy if you had a dad that was, you know, super busy or absent or, you know, I've talked to dads who, you know, their parents got divorced. Dad was not around at all. 
and then they get married, have a kid, and now all of a sudden grandpa's in the picture and there's their kid loves grandpa. Grandpa's amazing. And that they have this tension that they're fighting with. Like mm-hmm. he is amazing mm-hmm. to you, but to you. I, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin this for you, but he was a real jerk, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, mm-hmm. I, that's, mm-hmm. that's gotta be tough mm-hmm. as well. And then, you know, I think about, you know, just the dynamics of our relationship. You know, we hit some tough spots, you know, in college and, you know, I just, I want to make sure that I, this goes back to presence, that I'm always available to them and that my presence provides freedom of speech to where they don't have the same sentiments or the fears or the trepidation that I had with my dad, you know, crippling that relationship to the extent that I would seek counsel from other father figures because I didn't feel that my thoughts and my feelings were safe. Like that would break my heart if my child was to say, I can't talk to my dad about that. Wow. I, I can't talk. To, I, I love him. I love my dad, but I can't talk to him. Like that would buy, like that would like, and I just don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be that dad that I raised you for 18 years. I put you through college. You know, I loved you. I gave you the best parts of my life and you feel like, my presence is not sufficient for a conversation. You sense threat when you come around. You know what I mean? Like, like not that I'm gonna do something to you, but you know, you just yeah. you don't you don't intimidation. Feel yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, that's some heavy, beautiful stuff right there, Marcus. <laughs> You're bringing it to me, man. Bringing it. I'm gonna have to go watch like uh, I don't know, like just some fun TV show after like The Office or something, just to bring me back. No, I love that, man. That's so honest and vulnerable. I really appreciate that. That's really good. And and just I mean to encourage you in the little bit that I've seen on social, you're you know posing with your kids, having fun. In what we've talked about here, I I don't see that happening. You're in it. You're in the mix. You're providing this safe, beautiful place for them to be. I think simply by setting a tone. You know, I've I've learned so much about, you know, I I no like you said, no one's got the book on on fathering. You know, I think mothering's the same way, but fathering for sure. And part of that was I never expected like what I've defined as kind of like my role is to set a uh, a way for my kids to understand and interpret because you can't say like in this time at, at this you make this decision. If this happens, you go this way. If it, there's too many variables in life, there's too many things going on, things are going to change, whatever. So by setting an example and by creating those early foundations, which it sounds like you're doing of, hey guys, we're moving, let's talk about the house together. Hey, come and be a part of this. You're creating that openness. And I think, uh, I think you, hopefully those fears are never realized because it sounds like you're, you're taking care of business, which is great. Yeah, we're, we're doing our best. And I, I, I've, I've got a great wife. Yo, so man. Got, got to. Wife. So she helps. She helps a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, a couple last questions on social. You're so you're totally active. You've got some awesome posts. Was there ever a thought of like, do we bring the kids into this? Do we not? Cause there's a lot of questions on like exposure and like, you know, having your kids be a part of it and that kind of thing. I've, I've lived a very public life just because of the nature of my dad's career. He started out in, well, in the NBA as a um, uh, point guard for the Trailblazers, right? And so, but he had an injury, messed up his knee really bad. 
And um, then he got into music. So he's a, a jazz musician and a veteran in that uh, area for the last 30 years, all over 30 years now, um, almost 40. And, um, and so, you know, just living a very public life by virtue of what my dad was doing, um, I just, we decided when we had children that, how should I say, we would, we would monitor the rollout. You know, um, we, we were in reality TV years ago. Even with that, we picked and we chose what we wanted to share, not just about our lives, but the lives of the children. Um, now, my brother, we, he was on the show you know, with us, and I think they uh, documented the labor, the delivery, the whole night. That was not what we wanted. We had something else that we wanted to do with that because we wanted to keep some things precious because um, you only experience these things once. Um, and so, yeah, there were, have been a series of conversations about it. And we've always said that when the children, you know, communicate, they don't want to take pictures or they don't want to be involved with this or that, you know, then that's what we do. I mean, if you'll notice, you know, if you look at my gallery and you look at my wife's gallery, while we 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 capture moments with all of them, there are many times that we do not. Yeah, well, I'm not about to fight with no child about no picture. You want some Robux or you want some Minecraft money or you want this or that? Take this picture and hey, we are game. Let's get it done. If that's not enough, I'm not about to lose my peace over that. I'll take the picture myself. Uh, well, as we kind of wrap up here, I always like to ask my dad's, my father's, uh, what is some uh, uh, some encouragement you could give for other dads out there? Um, I'll say this. This is something that I tell myself and my wife echoes this. And it's funny because the children are in on this now. Um, three words. You are enough. You are enough. And you, know, you don't feel like it some days, you know, some days you get up and, and I do this. You, know, you get up in the middle of the night and you think, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, you just, you know, and I find myself just kind of like cleaning a room that is destroyed, you know, like, you know, maybe like my kids have destroyed their room, their clothes yes. everywhere, their toys everywhere. You know, they snuck popcorn into the room, <laughs> didn't tell you all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where do I start? And you get into it and 30 minutes in, you're like, when will this end? No, you just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. And sometimes fatherhood is like that. You just keep going. You just keep going. Just keep doing something. OK, let's pick this one up. Take this one here. Let's go to the store let's get the car fixed let's go on this <laughs> keep going just keep going you know and, and you don't have time to think and sometimes when you do get the opportunity to think all of it seems like the reality of it and the responsibility of it is crippling um but you know in those moments i remind myself you're enough you are enough you are enough just the fact that i am present just the fact that I am here, this is my life, this is my wife, this is my children, that lets me know that there is something on the inside of me that is ready to tackle this. This will not eat me. It's not going to eat me. It's not going to eat me. No, I just, you know, take my time. I'll step back, slow down. Sometimes coming home, I'm sh I think every dad does uh, this. So this will deliver a dad from shame. There's sometimes that I come home and I will take another lap around the neighborhood. <laughs> not ready yet. You get close, you're like, nope, not ready yet. One more. Just like, no, 
It's not yet. I just, just give me a minute. Uh, give me, you know, it, it, it's the little thing. Yes, yes. It doesn't take <laughs> much, right? Just thing. to keep on going. I'm not going to raise them in a day. I have 18 years with them before they had to get out of my house. So I've got some time. I'm not going to raise them in the day is definitely going to be the title of the fatherhood book that has never been written because I love that concept. <laughs> so there you go. You can let your publishers know you've got the title for your next book. I'm not going to raise them in a day. It takes so much pressure off. We, we have a foster yeah. daughter. She's 25 now. She moved in at 18, so she's not technically foster, but she was paired with my wife through Big Brothers Big Sisters for almost 10 years, um, moved in with us, wow. and there was, I had this sense of like, this kind of like, I mean, I'll admit it, it was, it was just because of who I am, but also because of my upbringing, it was a bit of this savior mentality, like, all right, let's give her two months here. She's going to be, you know, heading to college, has a full-time job, you know, it's like all this kind of stuff. And I felt like every single moment, every second was this like, I got to cram it all in. I got to cram it. You're okay. You're mm-hmm. good. You're fine. Let's talk about discipline. Let's, she's like, it's Cheerios at breakfast. Can we just hang on? <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh yeah, okay, okay. You know, it's like everything was a teaching moment. You're not going to raise your kids in one day. It's going to take the presence that you talked about affords you the luxury of not having to do it all in one day. So it's like getting yeah. to the airport early. You were just sitting at home anyway. You may as well go and not worry about running to the plane or, oh, we're stuck in traffic or drop me off here. I'll run sweaty. It's it's just like the you're afforded that luxury by being present to not have to raise your kids all in one day. I love that. So true. Well, Marcus Tankard, thank you for attempting fatherhood. It is an attempt, isn't it? That's all it is. <laughs> one big attempt. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy. Thanks for making this work, uh, especially with the move and all that kind of stuff, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. This has been great. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.